0: Conversations about sex work in the media are rarely honest about all the complexities. They typically only talk about the dangers or only talk about the glamour, but actually it's way more complicated. My name is Sarah Daniel and I'm the founder and director of Unconditional, a nonprofit for women who work in the sex industry. We exist to be the bridge between the church and sex workers. We bring gifts to local strip clubs and begin life-transforming friendships. We say life transforming because when a church lady and a stripper become best friends, both of their lives and stereotypes of each other are forced to transform. We also help connect women to unique resources and provide wraparound support. If you're in sex work and need assistance, it can be really difficult to find a service provider that won't judge you and can understand the unique challenges you may face. Over the past six years of running unconditional, I've realized just how little the general population understands about the sex industry. I know because I was completely clueless at the beginning. We're starting this podcast to give an opportunity and platform for our friends to share about issues that are important to them and their work. Our hope is that when you're finished listening, you can understand that sex workers are just people, just like you and me. We know that this topic can cause some strong reactions and opinions and you probably won't agree with what every guest has to say. And if you're a sex worker, your experience in this occupation may be very different from what you hear. I encourage you to keep listening. We will have a variety of viewpoints, perspectives, and experiences represented throughout the show. We wanna represent the diversity of this industry as every person has their own story. And as we know, it can be really complicated. In order to protect our guests from any repercussions of participating in this podcast, all names have been changed. Identifying information of clubs or other people mentioned in this podcast have been censored out. Due to the subject matter, viewer discretion is advised. All right, welcome to this episode of It's Complicated. Uh, we're here today with our guest, Nico, who's been a dear friend of mine for a couple of years now. It's been a minute. Um, and today, we're going to be focusing on talking about violence uh, against sex workers, um, what that uh, can all entail, why it is why violence against sex workers can be more prevalent than in other occupations, um, and then how service providers should respond to that, how um, sex workers should respond to that, how um, maybe even how patrons should respond to that. So we'll just uh, be diving into all different parts of it um, and getting to know it a little bit better and hoping to expand the knowledge of our audience and educate people to um, just understand this very complicated topic. Uh, so as we get started, Nico, let's just get to know you mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, just tell us a little bit about maybe how long you were in the industry um, and the age you entered, maybe the age you left. Uh, you don't have to go into anything of your personal story because um, one thing we just really want in this podcast is it's if people want to share their story, they mm-hmm. can, um, but it's more just to educate people about the general aspects of the industry. Um, because everyone has their own story, and it's their story to share or not share. So anyway, um, just anything you want to share about us or uh, share to us about you, Um, even any fun facts you might want to share. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay,
1: so um, I think I was 19 the first time I danced in a strip club, and then kind of uh, was on and off uh, with it until about age 23, And then, um, I had kids and got married and ended up, you know, being in kind of a toxic situation and then, um, ended up going back into it at 31.
0: Okay. So, yeah. And how, how, and I know you've kind of transitioned out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so how long have you been out of it now?
1: So I've been Mm -hmm. not working at the club or doing like any type of sex work at all for over a year now.
0: Okay. Yeah. So as we are talking about sex work um, then and about um, just kind of the, the violence that happens against sex work, what is, what is something that you just want people to understand about um, the violence that happens and maybe even in uh, the various areas of, of sex work and how it might be different at the club versus on the street versus um, selling online and things like that?
1: For sure. Um, so this is a really important um, topic to me. It's something that's um, impacted me, at, like specifically, um, a lot of people that I know, and then also just um, I think you know I don't have like the actual like statistics and numbers, but I think it's fair to say that um, uh, being a sex worker is one of the most dangerous jobs I think that a woman could have. Um, I do want to acknowledge that it's statistically way more dangerous for women of color and transgender women um and like i can only really share from my point of experience but um yeah i mean it's it's a dangerous job no matter um how you're involved in it like you know when i got started um i was mostly just you know going in you know punching in, you don't really punch in at the strip club. <laughs> like right. this... depends which club you But work I was at. just going to dance and going home and I wasn't doing anything on the side. And, you know, but um but even that, that's that still can be um a dangerous thing. Um I mean there's different levels, I feel like, of violence that happen in a strip club. Like obviously I feel like the most um the thing that Girls I think are most aware of Is like the possibility that someone could stalk you Which has happened to me Mm -hmm. The possibility that you could get Jumped in the parking lot Which I I didn't get jumped But I have gotten rolled up in the parking lot Before you know um, To just things that aren't as big Like just people crossing your boundaries All the time Like people grabbing you without your permission Or like things that would be considered Assault in any other situation But in a strip club you know that's um a lot of times that's just like part of it mm-hmm. it's just uh, like a you know something that you either like don't tolerate or you just come to accept yeah um and also you know for women who are not working in the strip clubs mm-hmm. like who are you know like engaging in uh prostitution, it's gotten a lot more dangerous recently um with Sesta Fosta because mm-hmm. now women don't have the option to like start these transactions online in an environment where they can vet the customers, um, where they can have at least some interaction with them. Um we were just talking earlier before we started the podcast, just about like I mean, how much safer does it seem to you <laughs> to post an online ad mm-hmm. and discuss something that's going to happen with someone first rather than standing on the corner of 10th and Rural in the mm-hmm. middle of the night and just yeah. waiting for someone to pick you up in a strange car? I yeah. mean, I just feel like, um, yeah, there's so much danger. just inherent in the industry and there's almost no regulation. And the regulation that does get handed down, you know, it's, like maybe like their heart was in the right place, but it it's made things a lot worse. Um, for yeah, sex workers. Yeah,
0: so let's let's break that down a, a little bit more of like, what, what should be people's response to make this safer? Because uh, as a service provider, and especially um, within the parameters of, of the church, what I often hear from people is, well, like women just need to quit their jobs if it's so dangerous then um and that and that's more of to me it's typically more of like a morality issue if someone's like well i think this is inherently wrong right. so let's well, get you another job but if I think, you're just looking at like how like the dangers that are at play and if someone wants to be in sex work what can people do to help make that safer
1: So I think, um, we got to get into like the reasons that women engage in sex work and men. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, and also I just want to say like, if, if, if you're listening and, and you have it in your mind that like, this is just inherently wrong and it needs to stop. I feel like, you know, maybe try to think about it from a different perspective. Try to think about it from the fact that this is literally the world's oldest profession. Okay. It's in the Bible. It's always gone on. It will always go go on. There's no law that... I mean, it's illegal in Indiana, you know, and it's still rampant. I mean, you can't... We live on the east side. You cannot drive through the east side of Indianapolis in the middle of the night without almost hitting someone who is trying to, like, get someone to pick them off off the side of the road. So, I just... I said pick them off. I meant pick them up. <laughs> don't pick please up. don't pick them off. Um, Jesus. <laughs> um,
0: sorry. You're going to have No, let's go. I'm going to keep it.
1: <laughs> anyway. uh um, so, I mean, I think in order to understand why someone would put themselves in a dangerous situation, you have to like, think about how, or why they're doing it in the first right. place. And obviously like everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Um, that decides to do anything. But I think a common thread uh, among women, myself included, um, women that I've known in the industry, women that I've met online in the industry, is that a lot of us have um, trauma in our past. A lot of us specifically have sexual trauma. So like in my case, um, when I came back into it, like I'm coming out of an abusive relationship. Okay. So like I've been like living in this toxic environment that where I didn't feel safe anyway. So if I, if I have like a man at home who is harming me, how much dangerous does it feel to like go off with another person who may or may not harm me, but is definitely going to pay me. Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, at that point and when women are making survival uh, decisions, a lot of times, like they have responsibilities and they have kids to take care of, I think that, you know, a lot of women are willing to put themselves in unsafe situations because of their circumstance or because of their past a lot of times. Hmm. Um, So I think, like, people do need to understand, like, not just anybody becomes a sex worker. Like, you could make a really woke decision, you know, at (laughs) 33 years old and be like, I'm empowered, I'm going to do this. And, like, by all means, if, if that's how you feel about it, you know, cool. I wouldn't say that's a typical experience, though. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's really important to acknowledge is like, because you know, it, it, you can't talk about you can't talk about sex work without making someone angry. Yeah, <laughs> for know? sure. No.
1: Which is, uh, I'm sure my interview is gonna make a lot of people <laughs> angry. Okay. Sex workers and non-sex workers. But
0: I think what's really important for for everyone to acknowledge is just that. There are a variety of realities in this work. But one of the common threads of reality is there is a there is a high rate of violence against sex workers. Yes. So whether you are there by circumstance, choice, coercion, um, and I would say that the, the violence is, is in all, all areas of sex work, and just kind of what you were saying of like that looks different of whether it's like crossing your boundaries you've set in place, or whether that's assault. Um, and I think that that can depend on which area of the industry you're working in. Um, it can depend on the the staff if you're working at a club, like the the management and how yeah. seriously they take. Um, how seriously they take instances I think that's a big part of it yeah um so what kind of going off that a little bit what can the the staff at uh what can the staff at clubs do to ensure more safety of the women that are working there
1: I think like the first thing that comes to mind for me when we talk about that is um how about like we uh start treating the girls like they're valuable employees instead mm-hmm. of disposable instead of this is a revolving door of women and if you don't like it you can get out like cuz yeah. that is the attitude um I mean I can't speak for everywhere like there are other places where there are more regulations in place and there are places where uh strippers have unionized mm-hmm. and made a lot of good changes here in Indianapolis, Indiana that is not the reality and you are treated like it's a revolving door of girls and you're not that special and for me I did have like a pretty scary incident happen at the club that I worked at and it was just I mean it, it was just like nothing was nothing was really done about it you know it's like I continued to come for a work to work for a while and I was scared you know cause this guy was stalking me that I met at the club you know and and it wasn't taken seriously, and I was scared, and I kind of, like, spoke up about it, like, the, like this isn't really cool, you know? Like, they they weren't even walking us out to our cars at that place. Oh, wow. I mean, that's how the whole thing went down in the first place. But, you know, it's basically that's the attitude, was, like, if you don't like it, you could do something less dangerous. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, you can go work at another club, you know? And, and I don't think – I think that's, like, number one is, you know, like, if you work in a strip club, you know, are you – are you like getting to know the girls who work there and like um, thinking about like what's best for their safety? I think a lot of people that work in strip clubs are, um, but I don't think that's the the general mentality of management. So, mm.
0: yeah, no, I think those are all um, really good points. of it's just like like seeing seeing people as like valuable and seeing it as um, I think also like seeing it as an occupation because yeah. Um, like, I don't know, there's just this weird I mean, I understand why there's a stigma around sex work and everything, but there's just this kind of weird attitude that I see on both sides of like management and then also of service providers and also of just like the average person that's not involved in sex work. i am just kinda of like well, what do you expect kind yeah, of a thing? right.
1: Um, it is. Which is like the expe- It's the <laughs> expectation that if you're going to go into this field, you're basically signing up for something to happen to you. Right. Like that's, and then people are almost just like, well, you know, well, you should yeah. yeah. What do you
0: expect? Which is, is just the, I feel like the epitome of, of victim blaming in our culture, yeah. uh, which we've seen a lot. From the Me Too movement over the last few years of just this kind of like she's asking for it mentality. Yeah. Um and it's like, you know, even even if you are a sex worker, like you can be raped even by a client. What? And I think that's something people don't they're like, well how is it? Like, isn't it your consent? It's like you can have different levels of consent within sex work too that have to be for
1: sure. Cleaner. And I and I, I just like wanna like emphasize Just because someone's a sex worker doesn't mean they want to have sex with you. It doesn't mean they're giving a blanket consent to have sex for everybody. And guess what? It might mean that they don't want to have sex for free. (laughs) You know? So, like... The That whole thing, I think that's one of the hardest things about getting anyone to, uh, you know, sympathize or empathize with anything in sex work is, is there's this idea, like people just have this idea in their mind that, that either it's just like these nymphomaniac women that mm-hmm. just can't help themselves and we right. just have to dance naked around pools all day and, you know, uh, have sex for money all day because it's personally fulfilling. Um, for some people... I'm sure it is personally mm-hmm. fulfilling. I'm not going to say at times it hasn't been for me because when there's a big payoff, um, it could be extremely fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that just because someone does a job that that's saying, well, you know, you can well, do that's, you want. Yeah, to. that's okay. Yeah. That that everything is okay now, you know.
0: Yeah. And and the other thing I just want to dive into a little bit more is like um, that stripping and camming and pornography, like those things are all legal. Like these are legal parts of the sex industry. Like it is 100% legal to be a stripper and to work in porn and things yeah. like that. And so then that's what, that to me is why, why, what's even more like kind of frustrating when people don't understand the the violence that's happening to women in those industries i'm like this is this is legal it's not a question of like oh you're engaging in illegal behavior what do you expect but it's like if these are supposed to be like regulated jobs for sure then this is not
1: okay Um, so the in the way that they get around that um i know you know this but some people listening might not know is that most uh dancers Uh, are independent contractors in the eyes of the club that they work at, which means we pay to work at those clubs. Um, Mm -hmm. Every, I I can't think, I mean, I don't want to say every club in Indianapolis because I know there's a couple that have payroll. Mm -hmm. Um, Most clubs, you're an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. um, You pay a house fee. You tip out the DJ. You tip out the bar, whatever. You're paying to work there. So because of that, they don't have to provide a lot for you mm-hmm. in the way of safety mm-hmm. or or regulations that are going to help you. They're going to make sure that the regulations that affect them, if excise comes through, are followed. But they're not really worried about, um, you know, because you're not their employee, so they're not really worried about you in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's been my experience, and mm-hmm. I, I know that's a common one.
0: Yeah. So if someone is... Um So if someone is a a service provider, um, so maybe someone who's in nonprofit work. So, um, like they work, maybe they work at a community center or whatever, or at a church or something like that. And they have a sex worker who comes to them, says like, I'm working in sex work and I was assaulted, um what should people's response be or even if you if you just have a friend who comes to you and says this and and you're not in sex work what should that person's response be or what can be things that they can do to just make sure that person um, gets the resources they need and also feels like heard
1: right so I think like the I mean just treat it treat it like any anybody came to you and told you that something bad happened to them it doesn't Matter. I mean, it does matter that they're a sex worker, but it, it doesn't matter in terms of like that they've been victimized in this situation and that they need help. But I think as far as like how to proceed with it, I don't know what my advice is on that, because I can tell you like that you know, it's not a community where we're feeling like free to just like divulge all this information to everyone. So like, mm. I think in a lot of situations, like if we're assaulted at work, like I never called the cops, uh, you know, I had some like crazy stuff happen to me. I think the one time I called the police, um, because I had a crazy incident happen to me, um, they, they were just like, no help. They were, they were basically just like, what do you want us to do? You know, just like, um. <laughs> I feel like it would help if I told some of the details. But basically, you know, I had kind of, like, got my, I got myself into a bad situation. Um, I escaped the bad situation, and then I was worried that this <laughs> going to be looking for me. Called the police, just like, uh, you know, what do you want us to do? We're not a taxi service. You know, wow. we can't help you get back home. Like, okay. Well, you know, it's, I don't know what to tell you as far as how to proceed, because um, I feel like, just reporting an assault as a woman is Mm -hmm. hard enough to deal with the police if they find out that you're a sex worker on top of it it's you know I'm sure it's an unpleasant experience at best you know I don't know and then depending on what you're doing like you might be putting yourself at risk by Mm -hmm. coming to the police with that so I don't know what my best advice is there but I would just say for people um if you have anybody like coming to you first of all if they're confiding in you that they're a sex worker like they probably you know trust you or at least trust you enough not to like judge them in that moment so Mm -hmm. you know maybe just treat them like you would anybody with any job you know
0: yeah do you feel like women or men, sorry, and we we keep saying women because that's that's primarily who I work with with um, through unconditional because our primary focus is women who are working in strip clubs in yep. Indianapolis. There aren't any male strip clubs not um, anymore. And I, yeah, and it, it's pr- pretty much from my experience at the club been cisgender females. Um, really? So anyway, so that's just kind of the blanket statements we're making is from our own. Experience. Do they
1: still do a um, male review? Of- uh like once a no, month,
0: they used no to. yep they did one time uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they did one time yeah I, oh, and it was uh yeah. so uncomfortable no one of my <laughs> friends just thought it was hilarious that we were there when that's yeah when one of the male dancers were there. they all they all laughed at us really while, they're like oh the church ladies are here while there's male oh dancers my and I was like newly married and like freaking out oh I was my gosh. like. I was like, texting my husband. I'm, like, I'm not looking at anything. I don't know what it, it is. Funny. Like,
1: I've had lap dances uh, from women a bunch of times because, like, I've worked with women so much over the years. But I don't know what about a lap dance from a man. makes me
0: so freaking uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I just can't do it. I don't want you, like, gyrating on me like that. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I think that's a whole nother podcast <laughs> uh, episode of – I would actually – I'd love to discuss, like, just different – Different stigmas of men in the industry. Yeah, and for like sure. Why we laugh at men in the industry more. You know, like, just, but I really don't have a lot of knowledge about that aspect of it aside from my one time at the club when there was a male review there. Maya,
1: uh, I have a friend who used to be a male dancer.
0: Okay, yeah. I'll ask him. him. I'll ask him if oh you wants gosh, to do would, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, anyway, I can't even remember what I was originally Sorry. asking. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, let me think back to what I was asking. I just kind of went off on my own little side tangent there. That was there. completely my fault. <laughs> um, no, it was mine too. Um, dang it. Do you remember what I was trying to ask um, We
1: were talking about like how service res- uh, providers should respond to... Oh, 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 I remember
0: what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, do you feel like uh, women or men who work in the sex and adult entertainment industries, when they are assaulted, do you feel like they are believed less... Because we already know that women struggle with being believed when we yeah. report sexual assault. So do you think that they're even less believed and why that might be? For
1: sure. Um, I think, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, just the mentality that that a lot of people have, that it, if you're a sex worker, it means that you're always asking for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it means that you always want that. because, And that's not, just to be clear, that's not my point of view. I think that that's a common feeling though that a lot of people have right. and whether they
0: admit it or not so I mean, people think that exactly.
1: if if uh if normie women are coming out and saying I was raped I was assaulted and people aren't believing them you know um then why would anyone believe a sex worker who mm-hmm. said I was raped or I was assaulted I I just I don't know it's so hard like I think that's the hardest thing about working in sex work and then trying to transition out is that if people in your life know, which I pretty much, you know, um, I got to a point with sex work where I started to become like kind of politically active with it. And I do want people to understand these issues because I think that you don't even think about how much, um, like you might, you might not personally consume sex work but you probably do like if you probably if you've probably watched porn before you know um you've probably probably looked at you know questionable pictures (laughs) you know like you've probably done something like gone to a strip club you know um there's a lot of different levels of it but I just feel like there's just this um there's just huge like judgment you know, that comes if, if anybody finds out that you're a sex worker, there's this just this enormous judgment. And I I don't think anything that you can do will prepare you for that when like mm-hmm. the people in your life find out that you're a sex worker, like what the reaction will be. Um, so I don't I don't know how we can make that process easier. That's probably something that we should talk more about. Like how can we make it easier for women in general, but especially for sex workers to come forward if you've been assaulted, if you're being stalked, like if mm-hmm. something is happening to, you, happening to you at your place of work that no one is dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in my case, I had a cousin who could come and, you know, like intimidate the person away, but, yeah. you know, not everybody has that. Um
0: well it's like if you are working at a legal business, yeah. you shouldn't have no, to No, you shouldn't take have to call your cousin. Into your own. Yeah. Because like just like to, to to get people's mindsets to change. Like I just thinking about like if you were a waitress at like if you're a waitress at PF Chang's. You know, yeah. Are, you know, like a normal place people go to all the time. Like if you're a waitress at PF Chang's and you have someone coming in there all the time Who's harassing you and threatening you and grabbing you. Waiting for you in the parking lot when you get off work. Like, they they would be so super serious
1: about it. Yeah. Like, the police would be called. I cannot ever think of a time when the police were called to any, and I've worked at quite a few different clubs, like, around the state, and I can't think of one time that the police were ever called. They don't want them in there, you know? And, and, And I get it. But at the same time, you know, like when it's safety and when it's women's lives, you know. Um, but we don't we don't treat it like that,
0: right? Well, it just goes back to that mentality of, like, the women that are working in the men. <laughs> Sorry, I keep having to say that. <laughs> yeah. The people that are working in this industry are valuable human beings. Right and, and I think that's like just as we get into all these different complicated topics of the industry, it's like that's why I just want to keep emphasizing, I said that weird. <laughs> but you know, that's why I want to keep reiterating to people is that whether whatever the reason is that someone's working in the industry and um, whether that be 100% choice or 100% coercion or trafficking, whatever the reason someone is working in the industry, no one, no one deserves to be harmed. And no one deserves to be treated disrespectfully and no one deserves to be treated as less than human because of their occupation. It's just like the different reasons that you're in the industry, um, you might need different resources or you might not need any resources. um, But when it comes down to it, it's just like these these rates of, of violence of sex work don't discriminate for the reasons that you're in the industry to begin with.
1: For sure, and also, I just also want to point out, like, I feel like this is, like, the only industry where, like, we have to explain ourselves, like, mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. <laughs> why are we doing this? I feel like, you know, and that's, that's, that's like, we're talking about it because it's a, a public perception thing that we need to right. change. I feel like that's the only thing that, I mean, w- there needs to be regulation. Mm-hmm. Like, there needs to be regulation um, that happens in... in um, strip clubs like that helps the girls not not just regulation about like silly things like for when excise comes but how many hold, like, on, hold
0: on can you go for when what
1: comes excise can you explain what that okay, is okay so the excise um police they are the, the to, are they the tobacco and firearms people is that the same people i think I'm it's not the, sure. i believe it's the excise is atf i believe um alcohol tobacco and firearms yeah so they also uh come and check strip clubs uh certain things like are your shoes on um in the when you're giving a lap dance like how many uh how many inches is your lap off of someone else's lap Uh, what is the
0: required inches do
1: you know i want to say it's technically two inches but don't quote me on that because nobody actually follows that
0: and (laughs) well and if that's not being followed yeah who is going to get in trouble the customer or the dancer
1: so the customer will not get in trouble most likely um what's gonna happen is like the club's gonna get fined and the dancer is gonna get fired and possibly, I mean, you could, in certain situations, you could be pr- prosecuted for prostitution, uh, even if you didn't...
0: Even if you didn't...
1: Yeah, just because of course. a silly, uh, like, technicality, like how many inches uh, away from someone's lap you are. Yeah, there's a lot of... So I guess maybe there is a lot of regulation. It's just not the right kind. Right. So and well, th- it
0: sounds like it's still just focused on... Like the women dancing and not on, because from what I've heard from a lot of women, and I've never worked in the industry, so just to reiterate that, um, is that the the boundary crossing that happens, the rules that are broken, a lot of times it's pushed by the people that are like there to receive services so, oh yeah like, so like if you're trying to follow the rules the guy can still break them but then you're the only one that's
1: like that's getting yeah.
0: in, in, in trouble for it I mean y- yeah
1: you could and I mean I think oh, god there's just like so much going on there <laughs> you know because yeah. it's always like it's different at every club and some clubs are super strict about that stuff and then some places it's a free-for-all And God help you, if you work someplace, that's a free-for-all. I mean, I had that experience when I first moved to Indianapolis. Like, you know where I was working. So it's just like when you're coming out of an environment where it's not super strict, but, like, there's some, you know, like... people aren't like turning tricks basically in the private rooms. Okay. If you come from somewhere like that and then you go to someplace where it's just like literally anything goes, Mm. I mean, how, uh, how are you supposed to make money if you're not willing to do all that? And, Mm. and so, I mean, I think like that's a danger too. Like that's maybe not a, a danger of violence, but if, uh, the excise is coming through and you're just a girl working someplace that's like trying to make money, at a place where people are willing to go a lot farther for money, um, you know, how does that affect you when
0: that place gets busted for prostitution and you get thrown Mm. in jail, you know? So, like, even if you weren't doing something just by... But just by working there and being associated with it. I
1: mean, I would say it's probably a bad look. I would say, you know, we were talking about those... uh, The massage parlors Mm -hmm. the other day that um, don't really seem like regular massage parlors. Right, right. we were talking about that the other day like what happens when someone like they just come in bust in the front door I mean all those women are going to jail right right I would assume so even though most of them are trafficked hopefully eventually they you know help those women but I would assume probably not I would assume probably everybody's just getting arrested
0: yeah so they're they're doing a lot of training on that right now thankfully but there's still just like yeah there's a lot of no, that's a whole nother. Yeah, to have a, sorry, a, a it's, brothel it's it's hard
1: to because <laughs> um, there's
0: trafficking in it. And there's not trafficking in it. And yeah, but the, they don't even ask. And anyway, I
1: think that nother. does like bring us <laughs> back Probably to like. It. A good conversation about regulation, though, is a lot of the regulation um, that has happened has been focused on trying to reduce human trafficking. But the problem is that they're treating um, all sex workers like we're victims of trafficking. Mm-hmm. And 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 most of us are mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, working a job, yeah. you know? So uh, that's so how the does, problem.
0: So how does that... Because, um, like, I've even experienced that whenever I talk about unconditional then people always, like, lump me in with, like, oh, you're helping people who are victims of trafficking. I'm like, I mean, some people, but predominantly not. So how does lumping everyone into being a victim of sex trafficking, um, how can that actually make things more dangerous for people in just regular sex work, um, or how does that impact them?
1: Well, I think just what we've seen with, like, SESTA-FOSTA, just um, when you group us all together... And you make all the rules the same for everybody. So um, no back page, no like um, online transactions or Mm -hmm. beginning of transactions of any kind. Um, Yeah, okay, so people who are trafficking women aren't going to be able to use those channels anymore to traffic women. So Mm -hmm. I guess maybe you could say that's positive, maybe not, because there's no paper trail when you're just out on the street, you know, uh, pimping out women. Uh, The women who are doing it um, consciously, for whatever reason that they're doing it, um, it's taking away resources from them, you know. Um, It's making them pursue other avenues to make up that money that they Mm -hmm. used to make from Backpage or however they used to do it. Um, You know, so then I know... The, a lot of women have been, like, willing to put themselves in more – or maybe not even willing. It's just what they had to do. They had to put themselves in a more dangerous situation because they don't have the safety of the Internet, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, – so it sounds weird to say safety of the Internet. But really, when you right. think about – just just think about, like, if a the difference between a man pulling up to you in his car – and uh, a man contacting you online and sending you a picture of his photo ID that you could uh, look—you could look at his criminal records. You could Google him. You know, you could look at his Facebook page. There's so much that you could do if you even just know a person's name it's something about them
0: and even just looking for red flags and conversation yeah
1: or i think a big piece of this and i forgot about this until now is the ability to contact other women online who know this person and be like is this guy okay you know i think that that's a huge um a huge disadvantage is just taking away the ability you know for for women to have like an open and and free conversation and it and it has been happening really bad like I've noticed on Instagram a lot of my friends have like stripper Instagram accounts I used to have a stripper Instagram account uh this girl one girl that I'm um friends with um I'll bring up her name because this is completely public it her she her name's Lux ATL that's her performer name she is a PhD and she does um, all kinds of different workshops for women. Um, you know, she's a former entertainer. She still dances, but mostly for women and like a like a sex positive environment. I guess. Okay. Um, she, her Instagram will get shut down. All, her posts will get removed all the time hmm. because it's like the internet police now, and it's gotten way worse. I I would say think since. Uh, SESTA-FOSTA, what gets cracked down on online. So it's like now, not only um, do we not have Backpage, not only are these other channels getting shut down, you can't use Craigslist you know, to provide or seek services anymore, um, and also the other women that you're having community with online mm-hmm. as part of the sex work of community are being silenced. It, I mean, it's a huge problem. It does promote violence because, like, it silences us, and, mm-hmm. and so it's just allowed to further go on and nobody know about it, you know?
0: Yeah. Would you say that the majority of people that you know in the industry have experienced either some form of violence or some form of boundary crossing?
1: I would say that you can't work in the sex industry for any length of time without anything happening to you that you don't want to happen. Um, because from the time that you start dancing, even if you stay in the club, even if you never break a rule, um, you know, or step outside of that, uh, from day one, you're gonna have people trying to push your boundaries and people try customers. Uh, trying to, uh, you know, get you to do things that you may not be comfortable with. But, um, and, you know, like, eventually, the longer that you work in the industry, I feel like your standards get lower, your boundaries, you know, your boundaries get crossed so many times that you, like, maybe your boundaries get way lower than they were before.
0: Why do you, you know? Why do you think that is?
1: I think just because, um, like, just the nature of people just constantly offering you money for things that maybe you're not okay with that maybe you would like consider to be dangerous before but like if if someone's asking you every single day right. like if every day I came to you like Sarah um I'll give you five hundred dollars if you like take out my trash and you're like I don't want to take out your trash like every day like Sarah like yeah. seriously I'll give you five hundred dollars and like like eventually you're just gonna be like God all right, I need $500. I'm going to take out the trash. You know? Right. Like so it's I've, big hot <laughs> at the right time. Yeah. So, I I mean, that's that part of it. And I think as far as the violence part of it, that just goes hand in hand. Because the deeper that you, like, get into that system,
0: mm-hmm. like,
1: the more dangerous and unpredictable, wildly unpredictable it will get for you. So, I'm not trying to, like, talk anybody out of being a sex worker. Um You know, it fed me, it put food on my table. Like, I was able to support my kids with it. Um, But at the same time, don't go into it, like, blindly thinking, Mm -hmm. like, you know, well, I I know I've heard these other girls' stories, but nothing's ever going to happen to me. Because at the very least, your boundaries will
0: be crossed. You know? What do you think um, sex workers can do to practice safety what are some like practical things if someone's listening to this podcast who um, is a sex worker what are things they can do to help um, their safety and um yeah just any anything that that you felt was helpful to protect you or um any like legal action they can take or or anything like that
1: well i think like The biggest thing that you could ever do for yourself just in life is being aware of your surroundings, Mm -hmm. um, trusting your intuition with people. Mm -hmm. If a guy feels creepy, he probably is. You Mm -hmm. know, like if you get a bad feeling from someone, no matter what they're offering you, I'll never forget. I had one night I was working um, up in Anderson and I had a dude offer me $1,000 to take me home that night. Wow. Do you know how hard it was as a single mom to walk away from that? But I just had a bad feeling like he was going to put me in a trunk. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, no.
0: Mm.
1: Um, you know, I kind of got off track there. But no, like
0: follow your gut instincts. Just follow, really yeah, powerful. follow
1: your instincts about people because that I feel like will go a long way and also I think you can never like underestimate like the power of community especially Mm -hmm. at a strip club you know like when I had like my like final straw incident um I mean the first thing I did was like group text my girls like tell them what happened you know obviously everybody's like worried but like tell other girls like like, make sure if there's, like, something bad happening at the club that you work at, like, everybody that works there should know about it because it's their safety, too, and yeah. also because there's safety in numbers. If your club won't walk you out to your car, make sure you all walk each other out because, mm. seriously, like, you are your sister's protector in that situation. No one else is looking out for you guys. So, and that's how I felt, and and actually the... Uh, the day after that happened, I made myself come back to work um, after I had, like, my stalker in the parking lot thing. Um, one of my friends uh, that worked at the club with me, she brought me mace. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to encourage people to, like, <laughs> buy weapons or anything, but I think a lot of um, a lot of women do go that route just because they feel unsafe, you know? Right. And especially if you're putting yourself in situations where, for whatever reason, you feel like you have to... Um, you know, like getting people's cars with them that you don't know or, or whatever, like going and showing up at people's houses. I mean, just take whatever precautions, like make sure somebody knows where you're at, Mm -hmm. you know, don't ever go anywhere with anybody and nobody knows who you're with or where you're at. Like you need to at least have one trusted friend, even if like nobody in your family knows what you're doing, just like have like one point person where if you don't come back, they're going to come and look for you. Yeah you know, and I'm not saying that's a foolproof way to avoid violence and to avoid, um, anything bad happening to you. It's not, it's just like the little precautions that if you are, you know, you've made a choice on whatever level to like do this work, like just acknowledge that it is dangerous and that you do mm-hmm. need to take precautions.
0: Yeah. Cause I know like we've, yeah, we've, I've, We've had people from the club like go missing, and yeah. I think one of the big things is sometimes if someone doesn't have family in their life or even just family that lives here that knows their comings and goings, right? Because I feel like the other like dangerous thing about sex work is um, like if I didn't show up to work for a few days, like people would be concerned and people. But would that's
1: normal. And file
0: missing persons. but at that's the club, normal at a strip it's club. It's much more normalized. So yeah. I think your point of that community piece is really, really important. Of Right. Like, have a few trusted people at the club that if you're not, if you just ghost for a few days and yeah. you don't show up, that, that they're concerned and they're looking for you. And even if it's just you were just ghosting everyone, at least there's people still, like, looking for you and right. making sure you're okay.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, even if you if you feel like there's nobody, like, in my regular life that I could tell that I'm doing this thing, Like, you know, latch on to a girl at your club, Mm -hmm. you know, make friends with some, it's so easy to do. Like I'm super introverted and (laughs) it was still easy for me to make friends, you know, when you're just like around all these women all the time. So, um,
0: well, I would say if, if anyone's listening who, um, works at a club that unconditional doesn't come to, even if we don't come to your club, um, you are, you can go to our website, our phone number's on there and everything. Um, you can contact us and we we can be that person for you. Like I have yeah. friends who share their location with me um, who will text me when they're leaving for a client's house, just so yeah. there's someone who knows like, like then they'll text me when they get back. So like there's someone who knows like they didn't make it back or, or whatever. Cause I will like, I will look for you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I would just say like, uh, I would, I wasn't actually working at a club that, that unconditional even went to. And I, I I think I just happen to like find you like on a fluke like Mm -hmm. Google search. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like I feel like you've been like the most. I feel like sometimes I say things and I'm like, oh my gosh, is like Sarah gonna just like be so like shocked by this? But you never act shocked. I don't know if you go home later and like, I
0: can't believe she did that. But no. like,
1: but it's like the most unjudgmental environment where people understand what you do and where you're coming from, and they're not gonna judge you for it. And I think um, also like Dream House is a good place too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. For if you're um, if you're a sex worker, that's mm-hmm. another place that you can go in Indianapolis and just, you know, have people that you can talk to who aren't going to, like, judge you for yeah. being a sex worker. Yeah,
0: especially for, um. so if you are engaged in street work on the Near East Side, then what she was talking about, the Dream House part of an organization called Gretna Grace. the one of our partner organizations, um, and they offer, like, lunch and case management and services um, throughout the week where you can stop by there. Um, I think their main lunch times are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Don't quote me on that. But you can go on their Facebook or on their website on Grit to Grace. Um, and that is a really great resource, especially for people involved in, in, in street work. Which street work, street prostitution, um, can really be one of the most dangerous parts of the industry. Because yeah. it's illegal. Um, makes it really difficult, too. Because which we haven't really touched on this yet, but with prostitution being illegal, um, then that adds another barrier to women reporting when yeah, they've been assaulted. Yeah, you, you can't
1: report. Yeah. Because, well, what were you doing? Uh, You know, just put the cuffs on me now. Yeah. But I think that, that it is... Um, I feel like there's an even bigger stigma when we talk about street workers, and I just... I just want to reiterate, like, kind of what I was talking about before, like how easy it is it to fall into it. (laughs) You know, if you're already working at the strip club, if you already have people asking you money, asking, asking to give you money every day for like this thing that you may or may not want to do, and then, you know, it's just so easy to like get into that rabbit hole, and then the longer you do it, like, maybe like you don't have as good of boundaries anymore for whatever reason you have to start doing other things back page shuts down you find yourself out there right. so i i just feel like you know um this is uh, there are men men sex workers too i feel like we keep out you like, I know. We're, like if we're not i'm just sorry only talking about, to everyone but, okay but to the men. yeah so we're specifically talking about worker, violence against women i feel like today yeah but if we, you're a male
0: sex worker please contact me. I'd love to interview them. Yeah, I just don't know. Yet. I want to
1: talk to them too. Um, the last male sex worker I had approached me for a conversation like that turned out to not be cool, though. No,
0: oh. he was creepy. Well, gotta be careful. but you know, you tonight.
1: gotta be careful with everybody. Um, but also, I just I just want to. Say, I think this is uh, an every woman issue. I don't mm-hmm. think that this only touches certain kind of women. I think if you think it does, there's probably people in your immediate circle that right. that, you, <laughs> that are former or current sex workers. who right. just have no idea. Right. No, like you once, know?
0: once I started Unconditional, there were people I found out that like I'd known for a really long time. Yeah um who'd been involved in sex work but they just nobody knew right um because and i'll have people like oh i've never met a sex worker i'm like yeah mm, yeah you, yeah, you so definitely have
1: it. you definitely have so yeah. you know i i feel like when we're having these conversations just just don't feel like it's that far removed from you like think about how easy it would be you know to be or you know just like in my my situation like coming in 19 years old it's like oh man, maybe i can make some money doing this and then like before you know it you're like you know 33 years old and you've got kids and you've got bills and you know things are dire you know right so you're willing to
0: your situation do things that
1: yeah you change yeah
0: which i think um i mean that's this isn't really what this episode's about but i think (laughs) but i think this is important to say is like The, Because you were talking about, like, people are just really fixated on, like, why women are working in the industry. Right. And I think something that's important to keep in mind, too, is those reasons can change throughout your career. So it can start as choice. Like, it can start as, like, you're 18 or 19. You're just like, whatever, for the school, lots of money, Cardi B, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then what can happen is then you can get pregnant and then – or with the stigma is like then once you've been working there a few years and then you want to change career paths often what you can realize is it's very difficult because people won't hire you when that's the only thing Mm.
1: yes that should be another podcast where we talk about the importance of like having like a verifiable uh income and like all the uh I mean, basically, just with things being unregulated and certain things being illegal, it's just basically that you what you have is a lot of people who are having to like move outside of the system, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for things because uh, because of what they do. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I think I think it's almost impossible to talk about sex work and not um, talk about systemic issues. That yeah. Are a bigger piece of it. With, right. You know, because it's just like. With the violence against sex workers, you know there's this systemic piece of just violence against women too. Right. Which again, we're talking about female yeah. I mean, but there's this and there's this, um, and I've I've even from stories I've heard from women we work with or from um, articles I've read, is that and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes men will specifically target sex workers. For violence, oh yeah, because of the not being believed, and that they won't go forward, especially if they're involved in the um, illegal parts of well, the sex. Well, and I
1: mean, think about just. When you think about, like, uh, serial killers and, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of who they would go after, like, Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. Okay, he went after prostitutes. Why did he go after prostitutes? Because in a lot of cases, no one is going to look for them. Mm -hmm. You know, because in a lot of cases, like, a lot of these women, you know, for whatever reason, like, don't have, like, the same support system as other people do. Because I, I feel like in most cases, if you did have that support system, you probably wouldn't start dancing in the first place. You know, if you had, like, all these other options, you probably wouldn't. Now, maybe There's, you would yeah. because I most was... Okay, <laughs> that's what I see a lot. That was actually not my situation at mm-hmm. all. Like, I I came... You had support. I had, I, I had support and I had opportunity to do it for different things. Mm-hmm. I just chose not to at a yeah. young age and and making that decision like I'm not gonna say if it was a good decision or a bad decision you know that mm. was the decision that I made to to do this because I thought I could make a lot of money and I did make a lot of money I didn't know um all the parts of it yeah I, I, I didn't know like how much um, trauma I would go through you know by the end of it mm. for sure
0: yeah and yeah, again, I just think that's uh, just, it's kind of like the circular thing, right? Where it's like your reasons can change um, for being in it. And, but again, like uh, I, sometimes I think people want to know like the why, um, so then we can dismiss people. You know what I mean? Where it's, or so then we can like feel bad for people where it's like, Oh well, if someone was forced in the industry and then they have violence against them, then then I feel sad for you and I want to help you. Right. But it's like, oh, you chose to be in the industry and then oh, you were assaulted. Well, what did you think was gonna happen? I mean, so then people can just like, because then it's less messy for people because they just like, oh well, that's.
1: I feel like that's that's like a popular like social media kind of point of view now like whenever anything happens like I saw some post on next door the other day this uh, lady was like some random man picked up my child uh, because he was running and the the guy just picked him up and it was terrible and this other lady from the neighborhood was like your child shouldn't have been running (laughs) like
0: that doesn't make it okay for a stranger to pick up your kid
1: (sighs) right but you know like it's kind of the same situation like if that seems ridiculous to you then maybe maybe it should seem ridiculous to you to oh well what did she think would happen like she may not have even been um like a legal adult when she started like foraying into this you know I I just feel like you can't you can't judge everybody like for for past decisions that they made like you can only like take people where they're at Mm -hmm. and uh, like mm -hmm. and I feel like that's what you do at unconditional is just meeting people where they're at like you're not forcing anything just like wherever you're at like, know that if you're, like, involved in, in sex work of any way that you could come in and talk to Sarah because she's not going to, like, try to convince you to do anything or, like, you know, she's willing to just, like, be here to, to listen and, and talk with you and be your friend, so.
0: Well, I just think it's – thank you for that endorsement. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, But it is just kind of, like – so I just want to speak from, like, the service provider's perspective of, like, you know – it's kind of wasted energy to just trying to dig into all the reasons of why someone's in there, and and I think in some ways it's like we we want to feel with anything that is a systemic injustice or anything that is dangerous, um, we want to be able to feel like we can be removed from it, um, so that we're not at risk of experiencing the hardship of it. For sure. So, like for example, like with a lot of service providers or just a lot of my friends refer to people that have never in the industry as vanilla people. So, so, or so, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) the vanilla people, such as myself, um, we want to just sometimes feel like, okay, well, that's why someone's in it. Well, then that would never, my kid would never go into the industry. And so then I don't have to worry about the safety Mm -hmm. And the regulation and the violence that's happening against sex workers because, you know, my kid's never been abused or been in survival mode or whatever. When it's like,
1: anyone can end up
0: in this. Anybody
1: can. And anyone can choose to. Yeah, and it's, you can't control, like, what your kids are going to do after they turn 18, Mm -hmm. you know? I'm sure my parents would have said the same thing, Mm -hmm. like you know uh, oh she would have no reason to do that I mean whatever my reasons were at the time like they didn't have anything to do with my family you know so um I I mean I would say famous last words if you're saying that it's never gonna affect me it's never gonna affect anybody that I care about it probably already is you just you know you're just not aware because maybe they don't feel comfortable talking with you about it because you have this attitude yeah (laughs) maybe we need to talk about that
0: yeah yeah (laughs) Well, and I just think for um, for service providers, I think we need to. And when I say service providers, it's like, I don't like. I don't think that everyone who's in the club needs a particular set of res- resources. So I think like what makes um, wanting to reach people in the industry for whatever reason difficult is that everyone's there for a different reason, and there's such a large spectrum of um, like there's a large spectrum of, of people that. I'm just like tripping on my words trying to be careful. (laughs) There is a large spectrum of money that's made. Like I know some women that make more money than I'm ever going to make in my life and some women who have to sleep in their cars. You know what I mean? So Yeah. um, And so there's different – not everyone needs something. And so I think what service providers could really benefit from focusing on is not like – Um, pitying sex workers and not um, lumping everyone to the same category or like really trying to figure out why people are working in it but more of looking at the things that are systemically impacting everyone and for me one of the biggest ones of those is violence against sex workers um, because that's something I've heard almost every woman tell me that she has experienced. what for whatever reason she's there that's still something she's experienced yeah um and you know I'm not I don't want to go into all the like should we decriminalize, should we regulate? Should we you know, because i I've never been a sex worker, so I don't really think that's something I can hugely speak into. the only The only thing that I will say f- as far as um, laws and things like that is there needs to be immunity for when. F- for sex workers who are reporting assault there you needs, should be able to report rape without getting arrested there
1: needs to be immunity for us even to go in and get an ST test yeah and be able to say that you're a sex worker
0: mm-hmm.
1: like and and have it be confidential like it would be anything else that you told your doctor you yeah. know i feel like there's not a lot of even if even if it is protected, which it probably is, I just feel like there's not a lot of uh, women feeling free to express that because, mm-hmm. like, they're afraid that they're gonna get arrested, yeah, um, or they're gonna lose their kids, or mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's a lot, there's a lot going on there,
0: and that's why I think perpetrators who are causing the violence they they know those things, and so that's also part of why they target sex workers is because they don't feel safe to report things or go forward or for sure deal with it so so
1: I would say and also even if even if you think that there's no sex workers in your life and even if you're 100% right about that I think it, it affects our whole community mm-hmm. it affects everyone um, you know if uh, if women are going missing mm-hmm. you know if violence is, is happening to women that they're um, too intimidated to report or feel like nothing's gonna happen um, if they report it I mean Like right now we're talking about sex workers, but I feel like that is also something that applies to a lot of women, Mm -hmm. you know, like just in general, you know? So I feel like even if you don't think it is, um, your issue, it's probably not that far off, Right. you know, from, from your experience as you think it is.
0: Well, and I just want to say as a Christian and, you know, unconditional as a faith-based organization Mm -hmm. is that, um which just sounds like so cheesy, but like we are all God's children. (laughs) And so it doesn't even like whatever your occupation is, like you were made in the image of God, whether you acknowledge that or not, it's up to you. But for people who are claiming to follow Christ and, and be Christians is that like these, these are our people, like everyone is our people. And so an injustice an injustice against anyone and harm against anyone should grieve us and should compel us and should move us to action um, whether or not whatever no matter what someone's occupation is is if you are claiming to follow christ and you hear of an injustice and violence that is happening against someone like that should compel you and move you and grieve your heart because it, that, it grieves god's heart <laughs> like That's i don't think sure. god wants any any of this to be happening to my friends
1: yeah and I do feel um that if you are a person of faith and you are judging and you are saying like I'm, I'm not gonna do anything to help or I'm not gonna pay attention to this issue or give it the time of day because I think that these women are, are sinners and what they're doing is wrong um I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's really your mindset, but you're claiming to be a person of faith. Like, are you really a person of faith? Like I have that question a lot. I feel like, you know, some of the, the most judgmental people that I've encountered and, and none through your organization, but it's, it's like people in my life that are like, I, I believe in God, I follow Jesus. And it's like, well, like what, what would Jesus, Jesus was like so close to Mary Magdalene and wasn't she, she was. There's, debate there's debates debates about what she was doing. Not, yeah. But, I
0: mean, regardless, I, I feel like, you know, there's well, lots Jesus of people. Jesus valued women, which in that time women were, whether you were a sex worker or not, in that time period, women were treated as property. Like, women yeah. were bought, women were sold, like. Um,
1: and he still had
0: close relationships yeah, with women.
1: Yeah, and, um, and, you know, just I feel like the different people that Jesus helped, like. It wasn't the people who had, like, their stuff together.
0: Right. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. So.
1: For sure. You know, I just feel like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I took this in a weird turn. But I, I no, get, what I'm good. trying to say is that if you do believe that, then, you know, treat treat everyone like they're god's people you know treat
0: others the way you want to be treated exactly like that's in the Bible. exactly like? <laughs> like
1: it's in the it's like in the bible or something
0: yeah that's Somewhere our there. that's our new unconditional motto like be nice to people like it's in the bible or something <laughs> it's like that, that uh,
1: jacques uh, the stripper book like
0: how not to be a at the strip
1: club
0: like don't don't do that oh my gosh okay well uh, yeah just compare the bible to jack the stripper Uh, welcome to it's complicated um here we go uh but yeah so i think that yeah i think we're at about like an hour now or, or something i've been keeping super good track of time but um anything else you just want to share or any um yeah, anything else you want to share just about violence against sex workers and how people can engage that or anything just or anything personal you want people to know, or anything like that?
1: Um I don't know, just I I mean, I feel like I've pretty much said everything that I've had uh that I've been thinking about. Um but I just think it's so important, you know. For people to come together. Like, I think it's important in general to speak up for people that don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. And um, especially recently, I I feel that sex workers aren't really given a voice. And, and that's why I wanted to get more involved mm-hmm. um, in the politics of it and in... Like, all right, well, let's start, like, talking to people about, like, what needs to happen. Because mm-hmm. I just, I feel like this is a community conversation. It's not, it's not just affecting sex workers. Like, there's sex workers living in your community, mm-hmm. okay? So, like, everything that affects them is in some way going to affect you. We're right. all connected, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really just, like, the takeaway that I want people to have. is like, this is, like, violence happening to us. Like, is. Still gonna have effect on the communities where we live and work. Right, you know.
0: So well, thank oh. you for that summary, Nico. I feel like that. Um, yeah, I just really appreciated what you had to say, and I know that um, sometimes it can it can be difficult to talk about these things, when, especially once you've come out of the industry. And uh, we just really value. Um, value your input and your wisdom and yeah thank you for coming in today. thank you uh, so that's it for this episode um, and if you have any questions or comments be sure to reach out to us you can always email us at info at unconditional dot com um, especially if you are a sex worker and you are needing support or resources um, or just want someone to talk to about your job that might get it Um, Be sure to reach out to us. We'd love to just be your friend, no strings attached. Uh, If you're interested in getting involved with volunteering or giving and being a financial partner, um, then you can reach out to us there too. Or you can visit our website at unconditionalministries.com. Thank you so much and hope everyone has a great rest of their day.